all my days. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat with your truly Nick Baumgartner here in Ann Arbor, joined by Brennan Quinn, who is in a different house in Ann Arbor. Uh, Brennan, how are we doing? Oh, I'm great. Nothing, nothing to see here. <laughs> nothing going on. Just, uh, you know, just passing the time, man. Uh, I will say we uh, we've we complained so much over the yeah. year about trying to find time to podcast. You know, when oh, we're doing football, and I was you know getting ready for basketball, and then I'm traveling yeah. basketball crazy, and now you're back, kind of settled in. But you know, this nothing ever really paired up well. Yeah, here we yeah. we have more time than we could podcast to our heart's content, Nick. <laughs> pretty sure, pretty sure we're not going to be able to. Uh, uh, we're going to have to tell Mike. Or we're going to have to go in with Mike's. Uh, we need a day of the week to pick. We're going to not be able to say we can't pick a standard day anymore because we're on the road. <laughs> because we're not on the road, we're here. So there are uh, excuses. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we are here, uh, of course, and uh, happy to be joined as always by everyone who listens. Um, and I think the the first message today was was going to be just that, right? That um, you yeah. know, regardless of all this and everything that's going on, uh, we've still got you know a lot of stuff um, to do at the athletic. A lot of stuff we were going to write, probably anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Regardless, I know when Austin and I looked at spring football, there was a lot of stuff that I was like, well, we were going to do these things anyway, so might as well just keep doing them as we're going to do them. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff we can podcast about as well. Um, some different stuff, some creative stuff. I think a lot of it will be pretty cool. Um, so I'm actually, in, in a lot of ways, I'm kind of excited to see some of those ideas that we've all talked about uh, sort of inside the company here kind of come to fruition because there are some kind of cool ones that mm-hmm. uh, that could be put out there for sure. Yeah, Monday morning I was just chugging coffee and trying to brainstorm <laughs> and come up with, with shit to do um, and just fill in a legal pad, you know, like a lunatic. And uh, by the end of it, I'm flipping through. I was like, shit, I'm going to be pretty busy. Like, this is, I hope I yeah. get through yeah. all this stuff. I, I, <laughs> I know we'll have time to get through it all. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of good stuff to to get to. Um, you know, this week was interesting. I had this Cassius Winston story in my pocket from, mm-hmm. that I reported, you know, before the Big Ten tournament. And uh, was going to hope to be able to kind of squeeze it someplace at some time yeah. during well, the tournament. And here we are this week. And I'm like, you know what, man, we're not, we're just, wasting shit this story deserves to be told so we told it anyway that that ran today there's other stuff like that um yeah there's a lot to be done we nick and i have talked about it and kind of the way that we look at it is you know while everything in the world looks just so big and crazy right now we kind of we we serve what is a large but in a lot of ways very small kind of audience a very niche audience of, of basically you guys out there and uh I think there's kind of a sense of responsibility to provide you with something that's yeah, not so. coronavirus, you know, watch 2020 <laughs> where you just watch it for five minutes and you immediately just start losing your mind. Uh, we will try to be the opposite. We'll try to give you stuff to keep you distracted and, and maybe help the yeah. time pass a little bit because uh, we're all in this together. And uh, yeah, that's what that's what we're going to try to do for you guys because – I know working for both of us keeps us sane. Oh, yeah, yeah. So hopefully yeah, sure. that work can help keep all of you sane. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I think it was like last Wednesday or Thursday, right around the time. I'm, I'm not sure. I can't remember the exact day when the tournament was canceled, um, when it was officially, you know. I think we all knew that it was probably happening. Right. But whatever day that it finally went, um, I think Dan Wetzel wrote something that was really good, as always. Dan Wetzel's mm-hmm. great uh, over Yahoo. 
and it was you know you know we've gotten through a lot over the years as as a, as a people in this country you know with it, with sports we mm-hmm. use sports to get us through many things this is one we're going to have to get through without them and i you know i thought that was a really well written story but at the same time i thought in my mind well you know that's true and it's not because there are still a number of things we can talk about um, even without games uh, for sports and especially the sports that are in the off season um, going forward here and you know we're going to try to do them all if we can or get to as many as we can on this show and on the athletics so all we would do is ask you to go over to iTunes here um, as all these shows now on the athletic uh, have been for a while um, fully accessible through iTunes so go over there give us a review rate comment the whole shot um, and also go to the athletic and um Subscribe or yeah. uh, take a free trial or uh, you know check it out. I mean there was there's still there was a bunch of stories that got put out this week um, from the company that were unlocked for two days that might be wrapping up now mm-hmm. uh, from everybody's favorite story they wrote and stuff like that. So there's a ton of stuff, man. I, we, it's a great. It's still an amazing deal. Yeah. With a lot of really cool stuff. And if you're bored, my God, that the, the athletic <clears throat> in general would be enough to keep you busy for like weeks. I can't even imagine. I, I don't think games are a prerequisite of sports. They're um, not. Everyone's still kind of around. We're just waiting. Um, yeah. But there's still a lot to talk about. There's still a lot to write about. There's a lot of stories to be told. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, anyone looking to try to fill a void, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're not we're not going anywhere. So no, uh, no. we're, we're going to do everything that we can to produce, you know, as many stories as possible to uh, give you an outlet and uh, – Go along for the ride, basically. We'll see where this thing goes, but um, we're not done. So, yeah, jump on board. Uh, we're going to still podcast and do all that happy horseshit and have a good time with it as much as we can, you know? That's really all you yeah. can do. Yeah, I mean, like, I think there's a lot of funny, weird, cool stuff that we probably had planned back when mm-hmm. this whole thing started that we haven't gotten to that we could probably get to now. Uh, and there was a lot of stuff in the summer that I think we were going to try to do uh, when we had time. Um, some watch-alongs or whatever. And that was the other thing. If anybody has ideas, right? Like, right. if anybody has an idea or a thought or something that they think would be cool. I've had a few people already, you know, DM or whatever. My DMs, you can reach me there or, or in my ats or whatever on Twitter. Um, any idea that anybody has, any topic, whatever it is, an old game, an old old team, an old player, whatever, um, in any situation, we'll uh, entertain all those and see what we can come up with. I think we've got plenty of time to put them together, so um, yeah, we can certainly well, we can certainly do that. We're all very excited to see uh, where this goes and the stories that are going to be produced. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of funny uh, stuff. And the other thing, Nick, are you excited? Um, yeah. As we do this week by week, you know, via video, you are going to gradually get to see what I look yeah, like yeah, with yeah. a beard. Yeah, and you'll see me, <laughs> five. Uh, I assume, five pounds heavier every week. <laughs> or like three to five pounds yeah, but you got the ultimate cheat code in that you just week. use clippers on your own head. And I do. I just yeah. got to let my hair I, go. I'm actually, <laughs> I mean, so people ask me all the time because I work from home and I have, as you do as well, and uh, we have for a long time. I think I've always been more, back when we used to work at MLive, I think you would go into the office more than I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been uh, <laughs> unintentionally yeah, you, preparing. Oh, you've been groomed for this, man. For, for this for quite, yeah. a, quite a long time. I don't think that... Uh, Anti-social disorder, you know, the, the, prepping the for <laughs> pandemics. It's all the same thing. <laughs> the difference for me, though, is that, like, there, you know, there are other people in the house now, so uh, my space is getting shared. That's right. <laughs> Maybe that's more right. than I'm used to, but uh, that's fine. That's fine. We can, it's a new world, we brother. Can, we, can all, we can all adjust and adapt one way or the other, and if you're, uh, you know, if you're a parent out there with a closed daycare and... 
uh, it's 9.30 at night and your kid's in bed and you're like, give me something where I can don't have to stare at the wall and not want to pass out, you can turn us on and listen to us for an hour. We'll, <laughs> we'll bullshit with you and see what we can do. So that's part of that's part of the goal here um, for as long as we can do it, of course, and which uh, should be for a long time. So um, we've got voicemails today and yes, uh, some reader stuff. So uh, you want to just jump in? Those? Let's get yep. it. All right. Uh, voicemail number one comes from Aaron. Hey, guys. This is Aaron in State College. I uh, appreciate you guys trucking through and entertaining us. I'm sure we all feel like Christmas was just canceled. Um, as a quick side note, uh, thank you, Brendan, for the suggestion to go to Monks. Uh, brother-in-law and I hit that before we went to the palestra for Penn Temple on Fran Dumpy Day. and The atmospheres of both places were uh, second to none, really great spots. Um, in the past, Brendan has done a few through-the-eyes types articles that I thoroughly enjoy reading. Have you thought about doing something similar but through the eyes of a sports writer? Um, if so, what would that look like? Appreciate it, guys. All right. Thanks for the question, Aaron. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. the uh, I never intended for that thing to kind of become what it did. Uh, I was sitting, going to a game at... Uh, Illinois. They st- still call it Assembly Hall, but that's not... They call it the State oh, yeah. Farm Center or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, down in Champaign... Uh, for a game, I guess the first one I did was Beeline, and their seats are directly behind. Yeah, I was the bench. I was there. It was last year. Oh, right. you? Were, oh, that's right. That's right. We had. A, yeah, I was before. randomly there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I just ended up saying, "Hey, I'll just use this access. Whatever. It's a regular season game. Who cares?" And uh, I only wrote what Beeline did for the course of the game, and the response was yeah. like not what I was expecting. It kind of went a little over the top. And then uh, I was back a month later, so I did the same thing with Izzo, and then Beeline left, so now there was a new coach, so I did it again with Juwan Howard this year. <laughs> they just keep sending me to Champagne, so that's convenient. Um, so yeah, that was the whole idea of it, and Nick, I guess I can take this Michigan basketball schedule off my wall. There we go. Um, <laughs> oh, you can hear it crumbling as he throws it in the trash. <laughs> so, Nick, uh, what... What do you think it would be like if you were going to write a game through your eyes, right? You are not only watching a game differently, yeah. I feel like then, um, you know, the average normal fan on TV, whatever, but you're also thinking differently because it's, you're constantly in the process of what am I writing? That's the most important thing that's kind of just spinning in the back yeah. of your mind over the course of a game because you don't exactly have, you know, you don't get a day to sit on it and, contemplate right. on what this game meant and things right. like that you're very much acting in real time and football is even a different animal than basketball yeah football is a three and a half hour experience as right. we know so that's important to note probably when it starts is that it's going to be a three and a half four hour deal um you know in the old ways when we were doing you know gamers every day every time you know in more of a traditional beat writer sense a lot of it would end up being you know making sure you're not uh probably over uh, maybe over diving into things that are happening early in a game because they're not going to matter, uh, you know, later in a game, depending on the situation. But really, anymore for me, you know, what I'm sort of watching is, you know, what maybe I see schematically that's different week to week. What's what what tweaks have they done? Um, you know, maybe for for an opponent or maybe because something the week prior didn't work or if they went back to something. Um, so for me, a lot of the game, I would say the first half, especially in football has as much to do with what are they doing today, uh, as it does, are they winning the game? 
if that makes sense. The team right. you're covering, mm-hmm. um, uh, or what what the score is, unless it's like so out of control that it's like off the rails, and you can tell that things are getting out of hand. Um, but that's kind of how I look at it. And then as you get into the second half, and if, if it's a close game, then obviously you're you're paying more attention to decisions and things that go forward. But a lot of it for me anymore, honestly, uh, is I'm trying to see things, you know, plays and schemes as they happen. And if there's something I haven't seen before, I want to go back and look at it again or I'll mark down or something like that. So a lot of it is looking at, you know, sort of, you know, things that interest me that probably don't interest anybody else in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and keeping a vague, probably a, t- <laughs> a vague eye on how things are going for the first half. And then, you know, you really don't get serious about, you know, if you're trying to write something in the immediate, you're not really going to get serious about it until pretty late in the game anyway. So a lot of it for me is sort of, you know, where's this going? What's the game plan look like? What's what are, what's their approach? Um, I got to go to the bathroom, right? So it's <laughs> also part of it, like everybody else. So uh, but that's a big part of it anymore for me. I mean, I think that it's, it's a lot of, you know, a lot less of, you know, what's the flow of, of, of how things are working and a lot less about are they winning this right now? Uh, and then as you get into the third and fourth quarter, I think that gets a little more serious. So when do you like? How reliant are you on, if at all, on <clears throat> uh, post game access? I feel like people don't. Yeah, quite uh, see how that actually works. It's just you just see the end product. So it depends. I think it depends. Like I think. Um, you know, if we go to a road environment where they let you on the field, I think that's that's something that you know can be, um, you know, certainly an interesting layer. There's things you can see, you know, in those situations that you wouldn't have been able to see. Um, so I don't. I I, I'm, I try to not be reliant on it at all if mm-hmm. I can help it. So I want to I want to try to be in a situation where I, if I if the post game access is awful because I can just give you a story. Okay, here's a story. This is how I was working in 2012. Yeah, 2012, Michigan's playing Alabama in uh, Jerry World at uh, Cowboy Stadium. And it, I was working at MLive. You were not here yet. It was me mm-hmm. and Kyle, Mikey, mm-hmm. who's still at MLive covering the Lions. And um, we were covering Michigan-Alabama, and the Michigan just got housed, right? I mean, they got absolutely steamrolled. And it was like just, I mean, that was actually the first, for, for those of you who remember the old MLive comments as they've, as they've been shut down in current time, uh, they I think they shut them off like maybe a month and a half ago, which... Good move. That's <laughs> part I would say. Uh, that was actually the first time, if I can remember right, that was the first time we did those old live blogs in the comments, right? So we just like, hey everybody, if you have a comment on this game, just do it here in real time in this live blog, right? So the comments are just like, I think they were being moderated, but they were. Fl- I mean, we had thousands of just furious people. Everyone's outraged. This the team got rolled. We get downstairs. And Brady Hoke had laryngitis, so he talked for, like, maybe two minutes. And they brought out two players, and neither one of them said anything. And they were the, and they were the only two guys who scored touchdowns. So it wasn't like they were responsible for the disaster. So everyone's sort of standing there being like, uh, it was a season opener. This is a disaster. We got nothing. And I said to Kyle, like, that day, I said, we, we will never get access again here. Uh, so we need to prepare, like, we'll never have it. And we, I mean, for the most part... It's pretty sanitized all the way around, but I think that was the first time I said to myself, like, you know, you got to go forward and make sure you're reliant on more than just whatever it is they're giving you after right. the game. Right. So I think that you try to be as self-reliant as possible, but there are you're always open-minded to the possibility of if something, you know, that's why we have post-game access, right? So the opportunity to clear something up or 
get a different perspective on it. But I always try to make sure that I'm as self-reliant as possible on a lot of that stuff because I think that you kind of have to be. Yeah, and I mean, you hit it when you said football is just a different deal. Yeah. You know, basketball, yeah. there's so many more games. Um, you can you, you still have a chance of getting a guy for you know by yourself for five or ten minutes after a game to right you know do a little mini you know story about an individual mm-hmm. which on football you know if you're writing a sidebar or if you're the third person from that outlet at a game you can write an individual yeah. story it's just for your spot in football you know you have to be th- you have to be watching a game kind of through such a wide lens because you or what you do is very much all-encompassing i don't write mm-hmm. basketball like that hardly yeah. ever it has to be a pretty either huge game or right. a spectacular There's... game uh, yeah. for me to you know go kind of all in on writing a game story or writing something about you know what simply what happened in in the game i just kind of assume that everyone watched it and there's so many of them that they don't right. matter nearly as much so um yeah when i'm I don't even know know kind of how I there's so many games where I'll know what I'm doing going into it. It doesn't particularly matter what happens in the game itself. Yeah, and I come out and I write what I planned. Sometimes that goes to shit real fast, obviously. Um, but you know the great thing about basketball is you go to a game it's completely unexpected and then you just start scrambling and it gets real fun and you go try to find the craziest story you can and talk to the the best person um i'll give you the so duke michigan state last year yep all right so going into that game whatever you're thinking you're probably gonna write you know an Izzo story or cassius or whatever blah 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 um, or something about the program, whatever. And then, lo and behold, Kenny Goins hits a jump shot over Zion freaking Williamson to send yeah, yeah. Michigan State to the Final Four. Finally slays Duke, right? Holy shit. Everyone's going to write Huge moment. Zion. Yeah. Everyone's going to write um, Kenny. Kenny Goins, um, yeah. So I'm just running around the court looking for his parents, <laughs> right? Because they're cutting down the nets. There's 200 people on the floor. There's confetti oh, all yeah, over the place. Yeah. It's a total shit that's show. Why that's, and that's where the tournament just separates itself. It's so great. Of, you know, it's, it's so just, good. Yeah. It's just the Sorry, best. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't – it's also the benefit of we don't have a hard set deadline. Um, right. So I'm running around and I'm finding them. And I finally find the his parents. And, you know, for mm-hmm. those who don't know, Kenny's – mother's in a wheelchair um his father very much kind of takes care of her in terms of you know ability to kind of get around and stuff like that so i'm kind of staying there and it's one of those like you don't you want to just jump in and interfere in their moment you kind of want to be able to hang back and other people are trying to talk to them and there's a certain kind of i don't know there's it's a a sport in and of itself trying to get the right time for a couple questions and uh you know, I finally just pulled the father aside and said, "Hey, if if you can uh, if you can spare a couple of minutes at some point." He's like, "Well, you know, when we leave the court, we have to take the elevator out in like the back of the arena." Oh he's right, like, yeah. like, just hang and just walk out with us when we go to the the elevator. And so that's what I did, and we ended up going out, and then we talked at the elevator, just the three of us, for like twenty minutes mm-hmm. that night. And that's when he told me the story, like, "Yeah, we're still paying off his debt." And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, right. Christ, you know, well, this writes itself. So, you know, uh, there we go. And they were they were yeah. terrific people. And uh, 
you just have no you can't plan for any of that and it doesn't matter like anything that happened in that game i i I'll probably rewatch it actually at some point. Yeah. Over this break yeah. or whatever you want to call it, break is probably not the right word, but <laughs> um, over this, yeah, over like this situation. outside of the last five minutes of that game, I really have no idea what happened that night. Um, and so, it, watching a writer on deadline though is a completely different mm-hmm. thing. If you're writing a running gamer, you know you've got the two pieces going or you've got one version that you're just moving back and forth from winning to losing depending on which team you're covering and it's yeah it's kind of hard scrabble man you know you're you're hoping you don't miss anything you're 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 hoping that the stat broadcast doesn't go down because if it does right. you're screwed um okay w- which player who had that tip on that loose ball cuz that's not going to be in the play by play you know, mm-hmm. some places like Michigan don't have a TV kind of readily available to get replays. Um, Michigan State, you're sitting baseline, so you have no clue what's going on. I mean, it's just chaos down there, especially for a big game. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd like to, I'd like to see like someone in their first year, kind <laughs> yeah. of, of writing running gamers do a story through their own experience because that would be I the think... most interesting. Because once you get the hang of it, it kind of becomes just whatever it's just work you know yeah i think that um for me the things that stand out like because it's so much so much a different world now but i covered two national championship college basketball national title games uh for for newspaper print deadlines um which meant that basically i had to write more or less uh you know like i would say 50% 50% of a winning story and a losing story before the game ever started. Right. Like, that's just what what I, you know, what you did. Yeah. Um, you have to put that in and you have that ready to go. And then the first one I remember was the one in Atlanta where the Fab Five came back and all that stuff in 2013 with Beeline's first Final Four with Michigan. And that, I've told that story a million times, half that game was spent <laughs> trying to write that whole thing. I, like, missed all of the Spike Goldbrick stuff. Uh, it was literally, like, and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, I'm looking up at halftime, being like, I don't understand what's happening here. He has like 18 <laughs> points or something, and I barely remember any of that. Um, I barely remember any of the second half, uh, frankly, because it, most of it was trying to get everything put in a situation where that last story was going to be ready to go at right. buzzer, which was like midnight or 1 a.m. or whatever the hell time it was. And then again, the second one was a, was much easier. The Villanova Michigan game was oh, so geez, much easier yeah. because it was. It was over at halftime. I mean, it was you it was know over you knew ten minutes into it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, and it was like, okay, this is this is done. Let's let's put a bow on this and, and get out of here. But yeah, those are actually probably more under, like or they old. We used to tell the story about the Michigan Michigan State uh, game with the punt thing. Mm-hmm. My first, my second, my first game in Michigan Stadium ever was a rain delay that ended up being called for uh canceled or whatever it was because the game was shortened first time in history of michigan stadium that a game was not finished that was game one and then game two was and i was doing the gamer uh game two was the denard robinson uh night game where he where oh michigan my God. scored like 17 points yeah like with the one we talked with ryan van bergen about uh earlier in the season yeah the one where they scored like 17 points or whatever it was in like a minute and a half or something like that at the end of the game and it was like what is happening here so I don't know, man. Like uh, in those days, I got pretty used to writing the chaos and just kind of expecting it. Um, thank God those are over. But those, the, if you're if you're asking a writer to write, yeah, from their perspective, I would want that. I would want, I would want, hey, um, Chris Solari, 
Detroit Free Press, I want you to tell me what, what's going on in your mind at, as this game, as the Michigan State-Duke game is wrapping up. I want to hear from him. Right. Like, those are the ones Those are the ones now that if I put myself back in those, when I was still writing those game stories, those are the hardest ones. When you're trying to write live like that, oh, yeah. you're trying to, you're trying to catch you, everything you know, you're like You know it just makes no sense, and you have to hit oh, yeah. send regardless. It's brutal. The, uh, you, you got to take all these notes and everything like through the whole game. Right. It's just crazy. I mean, you can't ever. Yeah, it's nuts. And the honest, the amount of stuff that just it never even gets read because it's just like, well, this doesn't matter anymore, right? Like this key moment in the first half that you wrote about and you constructed a couple really yeah. good sentences that you were happy with, uh, and then a guy, you know, Jordan Poole hits a game winner, and you're like, well, no room for that anymore. So that's gone. No one will ever care nor need to care about it. Um, yeah, when when Poole hit that shot, yeah. You know, everyone, you're just kind of wide-eyed for a second, and then you just have to start typing. Um, yeah, and I just left my computer. I'm running around trying to find people, talk to people, grab people. What'd you see? Yep. How'd you see it? Where were you? Blah blah blah. I'm up. In, I was like up in the stands at one point, like in the middle <laughs> of like a sea of parents, like looking for for Anthony Poole and stuff. And they're like, he's not here. And then I look down, and you know, it's just all my contemporaries and their friends of mine who are, you know, just yep. heads in laptops, just hands. Just- flying yeah. hammering like, the keyboard yeah, <laughs> yeah like the tasmanian devil right spinning with the dust yeah. coming out just fucking hammering at these laptops and i'm just like, angrily oh. typing yeah. angrily typing yeah. in the middle of the night right basically. who do you make the shot over <laughs> what yeah. happened was there any time left on the clock you know you're just yeah. it's just panic mode um but once you do it a lot i feel like those are the best times because it's that's when the experience is the best part because you just oh yeah like no, i've seen that's... this i've done this before Okay, let's let's get weird. It's gonna get wild now, you know. I mean, and that's uh, that's fun. From our pers- yeah, from our perspective as writers, I mean, those are the times where you actually improve probably the most mm-hmm. um, in this job. Uh, in you terms get out of your. I mean, at least for me, you yeah. know, I can be overwrought as all hell when yeah, I write because um, you don't have time to right. worry about <laughs> stuff that doesn't matter, and it really becomes you know with with how we write, it's trying to be as concise as possible while getting your point across without being overly wordy mm-hmm. and those moments you don't have any time for it i mean i always tell the story a great story the first game one of the first games i ever covered uh atlantic state journal when i was in college was a high school baseball game in lansing at it used to, it, it's called uh, i don't know if they still do it well spring sports are on pause now obviously called the diamond classic it was like a bunch of local schools that would play you know in this baseball tournament so I go, and it's like, and this is back in the days of we had the multiple deadlines, you know, so they had like the 10 o'clock, the 11 o'clock, the 12 mm-hmm. o'clock, whatever it was. And the game was at like 8 o'clock or something, and high school baseball games, if you've ever been to one, they t- they can take, they can go really fast, or they can take forever. Yeah. Like, they can be the slowest Some moving... idiot manager thinking he's Joe Girardi making 15 yes. changes, you know, like he's switching up for righty lefty oh, yeah. matchups, and you're just like, are you kidding me, dude? And, and those goddamn aluminum bats, I mean, those kids can just put that ball all over the place. It's 44 so you know, degrees out and gray. Yeah, yeah. and there's 30, 30 hits every <laughs> inning and everything else. So anyway, this game, it took forever, it was long, and, you know, I'm sitting there, and I hadn't called or whatever back to the desk yet, and it was like, Okay, I'm I'm driving back. It's probably like nine thirty, let's say nine forty five, whatever it was. And um, I'm like, okay, there's no way I'm gonna make it for uh, the ten o'clock. So I'm gonna have some time when I get back, like to uh, think about this mm-hmm. and do it. So I get back, and there's probably ten to you know, it's ten till basically ten to ten. And I sit down, and like I get the look from whoever was running the desk that night that was like, "What are you doing?" And I'm just like, "Well, I'm I'm not gonna make it for." And they're like, 
Um, yeah, yeah, no, you are going to make it. Like, we had one of those internal uh, chat systems, yeah. right? That, that still, I mean, it's like basically like an iChat or whatever that was just an internal thing. And he's like, you're going to write this graph by graph in that chat system, and you're going to send it to me live as you're doing it, and I'm going to put it on this page, and we're going to get it out of here in four minutes or ten minutes or whatever it was. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And he's like, you heard what I said. Start doing it. So I start doing it, and, you know, it's like the most horrifying ten minutes of my entire existence. Uh, You know, it was probably terrible, 12 inches, whatever it was. We got it done. But that was the first time I ever was put in one of those situations. So I've always felt like from here from here on out, I'm not sure if it gets any worse than that. That was horrifying. So it gets easier over time. But yeah, those are the moments that are that are usually super intense for us that um, we always have to go back and watch because you don't you don't see everything uh, in, live in the first yes. in, that, in that first run through for sure. All right. Do you want my version of that? Yeah. That early. Is that the D-day? one where you were locked in the gym or whatever? No, the, the opposite. I got kicked out. Okay. It was yeah. the. <laughs> So it was the first time I ever wrote live, um, mm-hmm. because at St. Joe's there was a weekly paper that mm. you know you didn't have to write. And you never, I never wrote on deadline, so yeah. you know I sent my clips and stuff to the Philadelphia Daily News, and finally the editor there was like, "I'm giving you a shot," you know, yeah. and make it. This is great old older guy, who, you know, was like a movie character. Now that in hindsight, the way he would like talk to me, be like, "All right, you know, we're gonna send you out." To, it was like a District Twelve high school playoff game Conestoga versus something out in the suburbs and uh, so I'm writing for the Philadelphia Daily News this is like you know anyone who heard the Dick Girardi episode of the beat yeah, right? yeah, yeah. this was you know yep. Girardi vouched for me all these people vouched for me to let this editor got a lot on the line give, give me a story <laughs> he sends me to a night game which was a mistake um, yeah. and so I get there and he sent me a time I went there for that time. It ended up being an hour earlier. Mm-hmm. So I show up. The game has already started. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I am immediately freaking out, right? And uh, I think I showed up at 7, thinking the game was at 8, right? And I showed up at 7, and it was already underway. So I'm, like, scrambling to get the rosters and the da 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 freaking out. Um, mm. No idea with stats. I go. The game goes to triple overtime. Uh, which now in hindsight, right, knowing what I know now, it had been like, perfect, the first half doesn't matter, so it doesn't matter yeah. that I missed it. I wasn't thinking that way at the time. So uh, game goes to triple overtime. I try to get quotes like I'm fucking Frank the Ford or something, like, asking, like talking to everyone in the gym. Um, <laughs> I sit down to write and craft this story or something, yeah. and like I look, and deadline's getting kind of close. Deadline's in like 45 minutes, and uh, like fully transcribed, I'm just making every mistake in the book. And uh, yeah, it takes me forever. And finally, like I'm a couple minutes from deadline, and the guy turns the lights off in the gym. <laughs> and I'm hardline, and he's like, You gotta go. I'm like, I need like 15 more minutes. He's like, Gotta go. It's like, yeah. not me, it's the school district or something. So he kicks me out. I drive out, find a McDonald's or something, go in there, file the story. Um, it makes no sense. It is one of the worst <laughs> things that has ever been filed to a newspaper in this yeah. country. And, uh, <laughs> and, like, it was one of those, like, you know, I just slowly hit send on the email knowing, like, oh God, I, yeah. I will yeah. never do this again. I need to go find a different line of work that I want to do and, like, drove to my local bar and everyone was there waiting for me they're like how'd it go you know big time you know get to write for the daily news it was a big big deal for us at the time and uh 
like guys it, it didn't go well so we proceeded of course to then drink until four o'clock in the morning when the papers would then get delivered to the wawa you know a couple blocks away so we could go get the first runs of the yeah. paper so we drank until yeah. four or five in the morning we all walked <laughs> over to wawa we all got a daily news read it in the parking lot it was awful and they had like cut out half the shit that i <laughs> yeah of course it's not even there yeah and the dude called and me shortly like... thereafter and said uh, i don't think you're ready to write on deadline anymore <laughs> apparently like my stats were wrong everything was, like i didn't mention someone who scored like 22 points or something like it was just terrible I so, was going to ask, did you go to the McDonald's counter when you sent it and ask them if they sell uh, whiskey at, at, at that McDonald's? Or did, yeah, but apparently, no. You I just think they just saw me the shivering and crying <laughs> in the corner and were like, oh, this guy's on withdrawal or something. So we'll just leave him alone. <laughs> so, so that's, oh, that's my early D day. That was a lot of an answer for you there, yeah. Aaron. And- Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm glad I'm glad right. you liked your trip to uh, Monks, by the way. I appreciate the shout-out in that oh, voicemail there. So, uh, <laughs> All right, voicemail number two. This is from Cameron. Hey, guys. This is Cameron in Washington, D.C. Long-time listener, first-time caller, yada, yada, yada. Uh, honestly, I just wanted to call to send my condolences and thanks to uh, all the seniors uh, in the college basketball season that we've watched. Uh, Cassius Winston, Xavier Simpson, John Teske, just to name the guys that I've really been paying attention to over the last three to four years. But you guys are awesome. We had a fantastic season, even if it didn't go the way that we wanted to do. But uh, I just wanted to say thank you for everything, and I look forward to the next part of your career. Thanks. All right, good stuff there, Cameron. And we both certainly agree uh, this was just the ultimate bummer for – for all involved watching this, I feel like Michigan's Michigan fans can sincerely feel bad for Cassius Winston. And I feel like Michigan yeah. State fans can sincerely feel bad for Xavier Simpson and John Teske and every senior out there. Mm. Um, you know, there's guys all over the country that had phenomenal careers that are just going to be kind of left with what if, and that that's the hardest thing. What yeah, what would have happened? Um, you know, I mean, for Winston, for his year to end this way, is just cruel and unusual yep. punishment and undeserved. So, um, yeah, man, it's a hard thing to swallow. It's really tough. I mean, I got um, I got the uh, uh, Dayton sent out uh, the little mailers for Obi Toppin's Player of the Year candidacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say, like, to all the, I assume it's USBWA voters. I assume that's why I got it. Um, I got that like the day that the tournament got canceled and I opened right. it like that night and I was just like, my God, that, that, that one hit me hard. Cause it was like, and I don't know, I haven't watched Dayton for a second. Okay. All year. But I know Dayton's had this amazing season. I know they were going to probably be what a one seed, maybe a two at worst, I assume. Um, you know, they were, they were in a great situation that they may never have a year like this again. You know, you get a player like that. Who's having a great year and everything else, and then poof. It's like it never happened. It, it made me think of the Expos uh, in the the, 94, the strike season, the MLB. Remember that year they went on strike and mm-hmm. the Expos were, like, in first place and, like, they were going to win the World Well, I don't know if they're going to win the World Series, but, like, they were in first place. They're having this amazing season. Uh, it was a team that we all talked about years and years later, you know, after that season got shortened. Uh, that's what it reminded me of. But also, those guys, the Expos, were getting paid. Uh, these guys, it was just, you know, and I got it. We got asked that a lot. I know when the tournament got canceled, right. 
you know, are they going to be able to replay this in maybe like May or something? And the answer was, well, I mean, these guys are going to graduate and go on with their lives. Um, that's what this sport is. And so you see a lot of that with, like you say, Cassius Winston is the one that comes to mind the most. And I'm sure for Michigan fans, you know, Xavier Simpson, John Teske, um, those guys. But, you know, Winston was a, is a Jersey retired guy. I mean, yeah. he's going to have his Jersey retired. I mean, he's one of the all-time greatest players the program's ever had. Big, um, the Big Ten has ever seen. He's the all-time yes, the, the, assist leader in Big yeah, Ten history. In, in the like, history I don't know if Big that Ten. really soaked in. He broke that yeah. record like midway through his senior year. Yeah, and he, he came back to school for to have the senior season, and mm-hmm. it obviously didn't go anywhere near the way he wanted it to, um, you know, both from a personal standpoint and then obviously, you know, the way it ends and everything else. And, you know, it's tough, and, and you see, you know, but I'm always encouraged by how these guys – you know, we hear this all the time from coaches that these players are so much more resilient than you guys right. and gals and people out there ever seem to realize. And it's true. And, um, you know, I can't speak to what, you know, I'm sure they were gutted in the moment when they found that out or when it finally hit them. But, you know, you can see how they handle themselves. I saw Xavier Simpson sent a nice note on mm-hmm. like social media. Winston did the same thing, Xavier Tillman. But even though he may technically have another year, but you see all those come through and you're like, you know those guys are always and and and, and ladies, uh, the women's teams too. You know having their season shortened and no tournament for them. All the baseball teams, softball teams. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of those uh, that came out from the seniors out there. You know that that you know they got their senior days. Some of them, some of them didn't get senior days. Um, you know they got their postseason. They didn't get their postseason tournament. All the things that you, you know that's that's the magic of college basketball the magic of college sports is um in those tournament sports especially is get to the postseason see right. what happens right and that's why you do it and suddenly it's gone and it's like okay well now what and uh that's tough but it's tough on fans but it's also yeah i mean it's one of those i've, I've seen a lot of people on i saw a lot of people on twitter that day giving a lot of uh you know thank yous right to seniors and seniors reciprocating it which was always kind of cool to see it just felt like it felt like the end of the tournament in some ways but you didn't get to see it and right. that was Probably the harder part. Yeah, it was uh, when I was in Indianapolis for the cancellation of the Big Ten tournament and was able to get some guys to talk um, kind of over the course of that day about, mm-hmm. and it was for, you know from parents and stuff like that to, to inside the program, um, get a feel for what it was actually like. And I wrote a story on that if anyone's interested in, in checking it out. But, um, you know, one of the things that really struck me was there was an awareness in that locker room uh, yeah. for Michigan that there was probably going to be the last time that they were there together as a team, right? And there might be a bank mm-hmm. way, there might be whatever, but there's something to be said for the last time you're in uniform together in a locker room. Um, yeah. It, it just happens to usually be after a loss, right? And this was, they just went through warm-ups, and we're told they were never going to play together as a team, basically, right. for all intents and purposes, right? And yeah, it hit them like it. It did. Yeah. It, it, it was recognized, and you know, one guy kind of really had a hard time feeling bad for um, for Xavier and John, and he kind of broke down. And Juwan Howard went over and consoled him, and then ended up kind of going guy by guy and saying how important everyone was. And he spoke to them as if it were, you know, they just lost in the NCAA tournament. It's, but it's right. just this bizarre scenario. It was noon. Yeah. It was noon on a, what, Thursday? Yeah. In Indianapolis yeah. on March, whatever it was, 12th, 13th yeah, early, or something. Early March, yeah. You know, just... 
crazy. So, um, yeah, that's the it's just shitty, man. It's just really mm-hmm. shitty that these guys don't get a chance to do something that everyone else before them did. Yeah, I think that the, the, you know, obviously neither Brennan or myself are high-level athletes. We're not going to sit here and say that we are, but we're around them enough, and we've been around them enough long enough over the years to know that, you know, one of the only times an athlete will have a regret in his or her life about the sport that they played mm-hmm. is um, if they went out on a note where they thought maybe they could have given something else right. to it or maybe they could have done one more thing or two more things or whatever um and that level of regret i mean you you can say boy you know that kind of bothers me or that really sticks in my craw mm-hmm. um and there's and there's a lot of athletes that say i don't have any because i did all i could on the last time i went out there and i gave it what i had and i went home and i was done the thing that really sucks for these guys and, and, and girls is that you know they're not going to even have that opportunity to give it one last you know to know that hey this could be it um, there's something different about going into a game knowing that this could be it. Uh, you know that in your mind when you wake up that day, and you know that when you get to the arena or the stadium or whatever it is. And so you give yourself the opportunity to put it all out there. Mm-hmm. And you've been playing sports long enough at this level. If you're in college, you know how this works. And to not, you know, for somebody like Xavier Simpson or Cassius Winston to not have the ability to write their own chapter, however it was going to go, even if it was, I went out with a loss and I was one of 18 and I just didn't have it that night, the, that sucks, is that is that they're not going to be able to write their own final ending. I mean, I guess they did, but it was different because they didn't know at the time, and that's the part where that's kind of stuck with me, is that you, know, you talk to athletes over the years, and a lot of them will come back to the last game they played, and and the ones that are at peace with their careers almost always are like I I, I left it out I did mm-hmm. what I could it was enough or it wasn't whatever, and the ones that are like yeah you know the ones that get bothered by it are the ones who are like boy I, I know I could have done something sure. different in this sure. this or this and and to not have that opportunity even is is tough yeah and, to and have that's, nothing that's the hard part you don't mm-hmm. there is no regret you just feel robbed you know and that's... yes yeah, right and yeah. and they were you know in, in a lot of ways I mean it had to happen but it's like and that's it's of no one's control in their situations mm-hmm. you know no athlete. No coach, not anybody's fault in that arena. You know, it just is what it is, and, and one of those terrible things that, you know, I mean, it sucks, and, and that's the that's the thing. And I hope that, you know, I hope that's not something that does, um, you know, stick in a lot of their minds. I hope that they are, I hope a lot of them have an opportunity to keep playing the game in some capacity or some form, but, you know, you know for a lot of them that they won't. And um, and you hope that, you know, going in at least down the stretch, they're able to tell themselves that right. they did what they could, and, and you know, yeah. and you move on from there. It was like seeing Muhammad uh, at the last game of the year for Michigan. He was there, and we were just kind of talking. And like, yeah, yeah, he's a dude that you just know he's at perfect peace totally with fine. his college career, yeah. right? I mean, he outshot every expectation that could have been had for him. He was great in the national championship game. I think he had like twenty something points. He had like 23, yeah. 25, something like that. Um, had a really strong game, and you know, gave it his all, and they lost. And but they made it to the national championship game, so you know. But yeah, these guys don't get a chance to kind of have that that piece so yeah you can see it in the end of the you can we even see it every year at the end of these tournaments when mm-hmm. they do actually end you go in the locker room and you can see the guys i've always been able on their faces you know the guys that are like i you know i i put it out there i did what i could right you know and it's over and that's that and you know the and you know the guys who are like boy i probably didn't and <laughs> it's over and this sucks mm-hmm. and uh and that's the tough that's the tough part that they're not even going to have that opportunity and um 
you know, I know it's probably the same way for a lot of those coaches too. You know, a lot of those coaches are probably sitting there saying the same thing. You know, did I give everything I could in that last? I, mean, I didn't get a chance to write the last chapter of the season. We got to go forward. It feels mm-hmm. like nothing ended. You know, yeah. but you got to start and move on. And for the for the sports that were in season, my God, I mean, that's you know, baseball, wrestling, hockey, mm-hmm. gymnastics, uh, the whole shot. I mean, to to have it just end like that, right? You uh, hope those, it as, looks like those yeah. seniors will get vouchers, rightly so. I think, yeah, um, that needs to happen. So. We'll see. And then the other thing real quick here is uh, on, like, the regular seniors, just mm-hmm. kids, just dudes in college, right? Yep. The guys, yep. guys who write, guys and girls who write for the, the Daily, guys and girls who write for, the, you know, the, the, the state news, just regular mm-hmm. students who got sent home in the middle of their senior year. Like, you remember your last senior, the last, yeah. I don't know how much you actually literally remember, but... Well, you remember how remember great being. it was because no one gives a shit <laughs> yeah. your second semester senior year, right? You're just kind of partying. It's your last kind of hurrah before going on and, and having to deal with the bullshit of the real world. And, like, to have that taken away and then have this version of the real world occurring, <laughs> like, fuck. Waiting for you on the other side. <laughs> My God. So, brutal. That yeah. that sucks. Yeah. Um, uh, so, our, our, we're sending a, we're, we're raising glass to all, all those seniors sure. out there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Voicemail number three, this comes from Chris. Hey, Brendan and Nick, this is Chris from Brookline, Massachusetts, born and raised in the D. Um, They just closed our schools for the next two and a half weeks. We have three kids at home, and I bet you it's going to be four weeks by all said and done at a minimum. So a lot of crazy times ahead of us, and going to need some podcasts to keep us sane. So what I want to know is if you two were the um, omnipotent sports czars of the world and could remake the global sports landscape, how would you restructure it if we could toss out all of the old kind of conventions and structures we have in place? Um, you can start small and think about your two areas of interest in terms of uh, college football, college basketball. But, you know, curious if, you know, if you do away the, with the Big Ten and create a super league of 20 schools that are across the, the best power five conferences or what would, what would you do? How would you change the landscape to make it more interesting, more entertaining, or would you maybe you'd leave it exactly the same way it is. Um, and you can run with this one as long as your rambling brains can run with this one. So I'll sit down for the next two hours. Thanks guys. And peace. Well, now that Nick would be an interesting situation. Nick. Yeah. Bomb Garner in control of the sporting world. <laughs> you know the wizard behind yeah. the curtain pulling all the yeah. strings what are you what are you doing well i think i'm starting with the ncaa um <laughs> and i'm probably i'm probably trying to figure out a way to take football away from or to split it uh-huh. uh and i'm probably trying to figure out a way to allow the rest of the ncaa sports um to operate you know in a way where they can be supported by football uh, but also to allow football to sort of grow into the corners. Because I think football's outgrown the NCAA. I just, mm-hmm. I, I think it has. I think the model has. I, I don't know if, and frankly, I'm not sure if it was ever, uh, if <laughs> if it ever belonged in, in the same structure as, you know, a basketball or a, or, a, or a hockey or a sport where you can have a season-ending tournament like that and you can play that many games. Um you know, I just I or softball or baseball or whatever. Football is just so different than all these other sports, and it's it's always such a big money driver, and there's so much more 
you know, uh, nonsense that goes on into it, it seems like, and everything else. I think number one on my list would be to find a way to get that removed, and then number two would be to make to find a way to get get uh, get college athletes, you know, compensation. I right. think that would be number two on the list um, before I did anything else with any of the pro sports. Those would be one and two because I just feel like the NCA right now and in general for the last however many years just continues to operate in a system that doesn't make much sense. Right. And we go through these different cycles where, you know, things do change, but it's also a lot of nonsensical stuff that there never seems to be, you know, the the, the pile of papers of questions of, well, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? It just never seems to go down. It mm-hmm. always seems to go up, 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 up. And there's got to be a way, you know, there's got to be a way. And it probably involves a lot of people in suits not making as much money. Right. Um, which you know maybe we can all learn a thing or two from that concept at some point in our lives, but uh, that's a separate conversation for a separate day. Uh, but you know, there's got to be a way to make that to where those players, uh, you know, are compensated or at least given something more than they're given right now. Right. Uh, and then there's got to be a way to make sure that the rest of those sports, you know, have the breathing room they need, and, and football has the breathing room it needs because right now I just don't know if it's all, you know, conducive to being, you know, what they want it to be. Right. So. Uh- Mine is the same but different, and it's that, you know, if I were omnipotent and in charge of this stuff, I I would go back and probably address the original vision of what college sports is in the country. And, you know, that means going all the way back to, you know, the original commercialization, the original coaches' salaries going from normal right. university employees to the highest paid people in their respective states. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there should have always been more of a free flowing, right? You go to college and to play sports. And if you want to major in sports and go immediately to go play pro or not go to college at all, you have that absolute right. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, the, the coach is not this all powerful being and the money mm-hmm. is just a different, animal yeah would there be tv money sure whatever and you get get the facilities and you can still take care of the student athletes but um it doesn't need to be this restrictive ways of of doing all these everything has always just been kind of a you know a piece of tape on this big leaking hole when everyone's like look at this big hole this doesn't make sense (laughs) but there's no way to rebuild the ship right you just got to keep fucking paint you know tape the wall tape the hole um it the whole thing's been flawed from the very beginning so mm-hmm. you know you, you just go to europe i mean they think we're insane the way that we treat oh, college yeah, like, sports yeah. and i i do think if there were an academic and athletic structure more um mirroring kind of the the european model i still think you could have a version of college sports that is infinitely more important than the way Europe treats it because I think sports in the U.S. is just different. And football is a thing here, right? And basketball is a different thing than it is there. So, you know, you can still have these teams represent your school, which I think is important, and it keeps people connected to their alma maters, and it keeps people kind of engaged with, if you don't like the pro version, um, there is a... in theory, I think there could have been a middle ground. It's impossible mm-hmm. now. It, you can't do it. There's too much money. But that would have been my my thing. Yeah. Is I'd go back and kind of change it from day one. 
Is there anything you'd change within like the game of basketball in general, whether it be at an NBA level or at the college level? Any like rule that you're uh, oh. um, that you're you know all about? I'd like to see the or... game more uniform. Yeah. Uh, I don't know oh, why sports. there's halves in the college version and yeah and uh, quarters in the pro version. There's one amount of fouls in the college version. There's a different amount of fouls in the pro version. Um, you know, outside of keeping a three-point line different between um, pros and non-pros, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I I would keep it all pretty much the same. Yeah. I think the game is the game. It's not like the football field's a different size or <laughs> right. Like it doesn't. doesn't well, yeah, I mean they have yeah, yeah, yeah. They have like in football, it's like you know, there's slightly slight differences. College NFL, you know, the hashes are wider in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the goalposts are wider in college, like things like that. And a lot of those have always sort of made a little bit of sense. Uh, but if anything, I, I would think that it, with the NFL and college football, uh, with replay and the way that we go through everything right now, and obviously the needed emphasis on player safety, it's got to be, it's got to right. turn into something where the transparency of the process of how those calls are made in real time has just got to happen because what I've sensed over the last like two or three years and probably longer is that every game, and maybe this has just been this way throughout the history of time, but it's like starting to become more of a thing. Every game seems to, especially in the NFL, my God, every game seems to come down to like, well, some team got screwed or some team mm-hmm. did not a call. And sometimes that's real. <laughs> like that, That's just how it goes. Um, and I understand the part of the sport where it's like there's there's part of a human element that, you know, officiating is part of the game. It's always been that way. Uh, and, and if you really want to stay true to the game, it needs to stay that way. But I think what fans get so inundated with in their own minds is, you know, why did that happen to my team just now twice? And I haven't seen it happen to that other team in this game at all. So I'm just going to assume that it never happens to them and my team's getting screwed. There, ha- there absolutely are easier ways to be transparent with that sort of process that that knocks some of that down um, and lets people focus more on what's happening on the field. My question has always sort of been, does the NFL or do these teams want that? Or do they, would they rather always have the crutch of being like, well, we got screwed today? I don't know. But like to me, that's where I come down to a lot of times is you've got like the XFL. I, you know, I watched the XFL before it knocked its season off and you know they do a lot of different things in terms of presentation of the game and everything else and mm-hmm. one of them one of them was every time there's a replay the the lead official in the replay booth was live mic'd talking to the official on the field and we all heard it on the broadcast we heard their conversation about what happened and you're in if you watch one of these you're going to say why why has not why has the NFL not been doing this for 20 years and so it's like those are the type of things uh, that I look at and say, you know, apart from continue to try to make the game safer, um, that needs to happen some way, shape, or form because there's so much confusion, there's so much put on the officials because I think a lot of it would turn into, I think fans would probably, not all, but a lot of them would say, okay, man, these guys are, these officials uh, are in a tough spot because there's a lot of stuff in football mm-hmm. right now that they have to pay attention to to make sure players are, are playing within, you know, safety guidelines and it can get overwhelming. And and that is a big part of why some of these calls seem to get, you know, a little haywire. And I think that that's probably the number one thing on most people's minds in terms of the actual game right now. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything like in, in that realm and when it comes to basketball. Uh, I got nothing I've been. I mean, like about. you know, like uh, the, <laughs> like the like the kickoff is like that's one in football where it's like like Why when you get into stuff thing? like that, right? Yeah, it's like the another the XFL actually changed that and actually made it a lot safer. Um, but those are things, you know, like that, that you're like, why are we still doing the kickoff? I know it gives kickers a job, yeah. so I'm, I'm all for I think the that, closest thing know, for but... basketball would be free throws. Um, it's just, Interesting. It just stops the game. It slows it all down. Um, you want to give them, give them one point or two points? Because I don't know. I mean, like, foul shooting. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, but it's, it's tough, yeah. Like, it's just hard when a game comes down to a made-or-missed free throw, and you're like, well, you know, neither team really had anything to do with that being the outcome. Right. right. Um, there's too many timeouts at the end of games. I would somehow figure a way to change that. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, basketball, I like you hit it, is just making everything the same uh, across the board mm-hmm. throughout the, all the sports. I don't know what I would do with the uh, NHL or MLB, but uh, I'll leave that up to other people, <laughs> other people to be involved with those Ooh, kind of right. conversations. Yep. All right. All right. Last voicemail. Yes, sir. This might sound familiar. Here we go. Hey, guys. This is uh, Orion. You might know me. Um, Long-time listener, first-time caller, a couple questions. If you guys had to quarantine with each other, uh, how many days do you think you'd make for uh, getting into a giant brawl? And then a second, what's the first beer each of you would drink once this whole thing ends? I'll hang up and listen. All right. Well, thank you, Orion from uh, Ann Arbor. It's a great question. Nick and I were in quarantine together. How long? Man, I'm too old and tired to actually fight. Like that's not happening. Yeah, no. no, there aren't going to be um, any fights. Yeah. Right. No, no. I'm sure you could wear me out. I'll tell you to shut the fuck up. Or at some point, yeah. Just go. Yeah. I'm going to sit in the basement now. But if we, see, if we had to be in the same room together for like a, like a, like a week. I don't know. I mean, it, would, it probably wouldn't be that long before somebody got on somebody's nerves. I would, I would assume no like anybody else. No yeah. doubt. Um, see, here's the thing, though. They, I, I don't know about you, but I have at least a slight outlet for the the quarantining in that, you know, golf is still technically permitted. So yep. I'm not going to be trapped anywhere. <laughs> until... <laughs> Are you playing so- solo rounds, or are you playing uh, social distance rounds? No, I play rounds? with my, my normal guys, right? We, just, yeah. we don't no carts. No carts. You, well, you're, you're walking. Walk in out there. You, you have your own bag. Uh, you know, you just play it safe, right? You, there's no high five in. There's no anything. You're the, the game itself is natural social distancing. It makes really yeah, no sense yeah. to shut these things down. Uh, so yeah, I'll be on the course as long as they're. Allowed. I played two courses, or two uh, two rounds this weekend. Heading out, I think tomorrow or Thursday, depending on the rain. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't. I would crawl out the window before I was stuck in a room with you to just to make sure I could go play golf. <laughs> <laughs> I would sit out your golf round and give you the time to uh, to get. I've, out of I've invited you to join us on the course just to get out. Uh, you don't have yeah. to swing. You can just walk with us just to get out and about. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Maybe that's something. Maybe I'll walk in. Uh, it might be the move. Shots it might be the as move. As you're going. Uh, uh, and then there's and, another and your, part of that question. Your, uh, your first beer when uh, we hopefully see our way yeah. to the other side of this thing. Uh, like in a bar? 
Wherever you like want to have it. Yeah, I would think it'd probably be in a bar, right? Your first beer in a bar. Sure. Uh, probably the strongest IPA that whatever this bar is has that's, <laughs> that I've never had before would be the, would be my answer. Something I've never had, I think, is probably what my answer would be because I think that over the course of however long here, we're all going to get our fill of the things we have had. So I think it'll be something in the IPA range, 7% or higher, get the hops level up on one of those uh, mm-hmm. and you know go somewhere where they make a good one themselves and see what, uh, see what they've got. I will be going for a perfectly poured pint of Guinness. There you go. And if they if they don't slow pour it, you better watch out. Better watch out. Do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Dump it out and do it again. I've I've got all the time in the world. It's not going anywhere. Oh oh, yes, yes, that would be. Yeah, that that'll be something I will definitely be missing. You can't really. I don't have a keg of Guinness at my house to have a properly poured pint, and Guinness (laughs) out of cans and bottles is bullshit. So, uh, just have to wait. Just have to wait. Um, we'll get there. All right. Well, Do you want to f- fly through some Twitter questions real quick there, brother? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me pull these up here. Okay. All right. Uh, we've got uh, one that's one. Is this uh, CT and TC? Go for it. Loyal listener uh, asks a non-sports question. What is your uh, favorite movies? One comedy, one drama. So go ahead. I mean, I'm not answering one. It's ridiculous, right? <laughs> um, I would... Tough call. I mean, for comedies, like, I love, you know, like Best in Show and, like, this Spinal Tap, right? Like, those kind of mockumentaries. Christopher Guest, a genius. Um, love those. Um, more of, like, the slapsticky ones would kind of be, like, a Caddyshack or the old. Yeah. The Farley and Spade movies make me, like... Pretty good. Those are the ones yeah. that really kind of tie me back to my childhood, right? Where, like, me and my two best friends to this day can all still... Yeah. Recite yeah. every line of you know. Uh, you like uh, Tommy Boy or Black, Black Sheep? Sheep and Tommy Boy's probably yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen Almost Heroes? The the, the last one Chris Farley did before he died. No, I'll put that on everyone's list out there. It's uh, Chris Farley, and I think it's a acquired taste. Mm-hmm. Some people like it, some people don't. But it's uh, Farley and uh, Matthew Perry. Okay, from Friends. Yeah, Chandler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in that one, that's actually I think it's hilarious. But some people. <laughs> Had disagreed with me before, so that's fine. I will check it out. What do you got? Uh, like I'm trying to think, like comedy wise, um, I am a big uh, Wes Anderson fan, mm-hmm. so it would have to be the ones that stick off in the top of my head, like movies I can turn on and still laugh about, even though I've seen them 500 times. Like the life, I don't know if you've seen the Life Aquatic with mm-hmm. Steve Sisu mm-hmm. or Royal Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. Those are both really, really funny, and I think i don't ever get sick of them right um my favorite movies when i was a kid and they they still hold up were were the back to the future movies all three of them okay and um those all hold up relatively well kind of not in some ways they don't but in some ways they do kind of thing (laughs) they're they're always popping up on somewhere some you know uh one of those streaming services or whatever and that's kind of like a comedy slash drama. Shawshank Redemption, another great one. Uh, drama. Not a comedy. Everybody loves that one. The drama. He said drama oh, too. Oh, drama. Like, you consider Back to the Future a drama? A comedy. It was a comedy. Oh, a comedy. So okay, so Shawshank is your. I didn't know you were shifting over to dramas. So you had to Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but that I was trying to think. I was like, real what's funny of, oh, about Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> nothing. But dr- dramatic wise, it's really good. Um, 
Forrest, Forrest then, Gump's probably the best combination of both the comedy both, drama. Yeah. Um, for yeah, drama, yeah, I would go. I I like that oldish Goodfellas, Bronx Tale. Goodfellas is good. Um, yeah. Raging Bull is up there for me. Um, of the more recent ones, Spotlight certainly sticks out. Yeah, that's really one good. That uh, I love. Um, All the President's Men, I've probably seen a mm-hmm. hundred times. Yep. Um, watch all those if you haven't seen any of them. Or I think Raging Bull, Raging Bull to me is like one of the greatest movies ever made. Ever? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of. Uh, I like more of the TV. I'm more of a TV show guy than the than a movie guy personally. Um, like I'm trying to think because people <coughs> ask that all the time. Like your favorite TV shows to watch <laughs> if you've got spare time, all this sort of stuff. Um, as, as Brendan falls apart over here on the other side, uh, I would say, like, uh, some Mike of them are obvious. All right, some, some of them are obvious, like you know, break, Breaking Bad or or The Wire, things of that nature. But um, HBO's have, got a lot of good shows. I've watched uh, The Wire. Sorry, <coughs> wrong pipe. Um, this is why we're not in the same room, yeah, by the way. No, I'm, it's fully healthy. It's my coffee went down the wrong pipe. Um, yeah. So I've probably watched The Wire five I think times five all the way times, through. Yeah. I have right. never gone back and rewatched The Sopranos. Really? All the way. I've, I, don't know I if saw I it, made like, it in real time. I don't know if I made it all the way through in The Sopranos, actually. I don't know if I've done that yet. Really good. Yeah, that's what they say. I have a hard time sometimes with those shows that are super old, but that's not that old, I guess. It's not that old. Yeah, but anyway. And like all, and like all the bad stuff in it where you're like, ooh, that doesn't, you know, it's 2020 yeah. and that's kind of a weird thing yeah. to see or hear. Like all the bad stuff in that show was just as bad then. That was the point, you know? <laughs> right. So yes. like, yeah. you know, like a show like The West Wing, and I know this is blasphemy, but you watch the West Wing now. Holy shit. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The amount of misogyny, yeah. the way that like women are treated in that show, other it's things horrible. is just And that and that was crazy. thought of as like And that was for its time, what a progressive show yes. it was. You know, for its time and then now you watch it and you're just like, why is Donna getting Josh bagels <laughs> in like every episode and why is he acting like right. this? And why is she totally okay with it kind of thing? Yes. Exactly. Uh, is awkward. Another good one, uh, HBO show that doesn't get much play is uh, Six Feet Under. Do you ever see that one? I have it. I have Really it. good. I like that one a lot. I've seen that one maybe twice. Okay. Also Lost. If you haven't seen Lost, now, if you haven't watched Lost, now is the time to go do that, I would say. My Under the Radar one find would be anywhere. Deadwood, which is one of the greatest shows ever. Deadwood is also pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Another very, very good one. All right. You can make a movie on that too. I think it's at some point here. Yeah. Uh, first of all, this is a hilarious question from JDW. Other than the OSU press box, what's the most lively student section you've seen? So, oh baby, well, oh, well played, man. sir. Well played. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I will say. Oh God. On the basketball side, like when Maryland is good, that student section is yep. unbelievable. It's all, it's all coordinated. They all got, like, their little things. They got these, like, flash mobs and stuff. It's really cool. It's a really wild scene. The student section goes all the way around. So it's, like, the big wall on the one end. And then there's students mm-hmm. lining on one side, students lining on the other. And then 
on the opposite baseline from the big wall, there's the media on the right and the and more students on the left. So they're all all yeah. over the place, and uh, they get down, man. It's awesome. They got that giant wall of yeah. sound coming at you. Basically, it's really yeah. really um, cool place to see a game. Like a good, I've seen not so I've seen like non top twenty five matchups there, and it's rather like whatever you know. Right. It's still better yeah. than most places in the Big Ten, but it's nothing particularly special. But I've seen some like top ten games there, including one a month ago, which seems like it was like uh, three years ago at this point. But um, like that that ESPN game day Saturday night Michigan State Maryland yeah. game was. The place was cooking with gas. It was awesome. The um, the Christmas break is own the alumni is own games. Are, uh, First of are, all, the drunkest student section, even though they're yeah, not students. Uh, yes. So those are interesting. If you ever find yourself in the Greater Lansing area during a holiday break, when the 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 inventors of the is own come back to school and. Uh, show the kids how they do it uh, those are intense the is in general is intense uh, indiana uh assembly hall but i think indiana is kind of, I, I think i think of indiana a little bit like i think of iowa and football where i'm not sure if it's the students or just the entire building mm-hmm. um maybe that's it for for football i would say wisconsin i don't love the stadium as much as maybe some other people do it just doesn't really but when they do that jump around mm-hmm. thing in the third uh, beginning of the fourth quarter and the students are obviously a huge part of that uh, uh, that is ridiculous. I mean, if you've never experienced that, sitting upstairs in an old press box that hasn't been renovated since what I can figure 1985. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it's it moves and shakes and rattles, and mm-hmm. you're just like, am I going to collapse and fall apart? And then the other one would be uh, Penn State at night in their whiteout when when yeah. the students whiteout and um, the whole stadium is the same thing does the same thing. But that that Penn State whiteout game mm-hmm. at night is essentially the closest thing that we have in the north to LSU at night right? Uh, right. in, in uh, Death Valley there. So my, uh, it's my it's time that legit. In, my time in the south, I didn't get to see a game um, at Tiger Stadium, which is certainly a bummer. Yep. But I will give a shout-out to Tennessee. Like, Yeah. The, yeah. the, moment, and, yeah. the moment that they think that there is a chance that the team mm-hmm. is actually good, they get as wild – as yeah. anybody, it's just you know, it's it's a it's a combination of desperation and you know just unbridled fandom, and there's nothing else there. There's nothing in Knoxville other than Tennessee football. Um, <laughs> but like that, Neyland Stadium for a big game when people still believe that there's a chance the team isn't going to take a big shit yeah. is awesome. <laughs> they played when I was down there. I think they played Florida. On an ESPN game day, it was like a three o'clock kickoff, and they were like four and zero. It was year like, like early two fall yeah. of Dooley yeah. or something like that. I think they beat like a bad Georgia team in the opener or something like that. Or NC State, they beat a bad NC mm-hmm. State team in the opener. Played in Atlanta, and then two games. I'm probably messing this all up, but you get the point. It was like game four of the season. They hadn't. Uh-huh. They hadn't ruined yeah. everything yet. <laughs> and yeah, they played Florida at home, and it was supposed to be the they're going to win this game, and it's for real. Mm-hmm. They of course lost, but the game itself was just yeah, the place was out of control. The Michigan Stadium can do that still sometimes, and that gets the rap of being the mm-hmm. you know quietest large stadium. But when they're all there and f- and it's filled in. Um, there have been a couple of times 
mostly at night where it has gotten pretty raucous yeah. in there when they're all there um when they beat ohio state in what was it 2011 and they let them rush the field mm-hmm. um that was a pretty intense win because i think the last play like michigan intercepted a pass to sort of seal the game a kid named courtney avery had an interception right at the end of the game to sort of seal it and when that kid came down with the ball and everybody and he stood up and everyone saw that he hadn't dropped it or whatever else you know and like and, like, and when he got back up and put the ball in the air like I thought the I thought the ground was going to fall inside of itself mm-hmm. like that was as loud as I've ever heard it um and that was a really strange that was an interesting season because the week prior to that they beat the crap out of Nebraska mm-hmm. um but, uh, the first year Nebraska was in the Big 10 and Bo Pelini was there, and they were still okay. Nebraska wasn't great. They were still okay. It was Brady Hoke's first year. They beat the crap out of Nebraska, and everyone in that building was pretty, and that was also Luke Fickle's year with Ohio State, and everyone in that building knew damn well that they were probably beating Ohio State the next week, and they were uh, they started the party the previous Saturday <laughs> and then sort of carried it all the way through. And so when, when Courtney Avery picked that ball off, that's still as loud as I've ever heard uh, Michigan Stadium in my time doing it. I'm sure there's others who have had louder memories. But right. when they get everybody on the same page... I mean, you just do the math. I mean, if there's 115,000 sure. people in there losing their mind, uh, it can get pretty, pretty rockets for sure. All right, a couple more very quick ones. Which player, this is from Pete, which players on the current Michigan men's basketball roster would Juwan Howard have recruited? It's a very interesting oh. question. Um, Brandon Johns and Isaiah Livers, I think, would both have been recruited by him. Don't you think? I think so. Pretty much it. Um, it's pretty much it. Probably, I don't think he would have recruited John Teske, but maybe. I mean, he's still going to. He, he's by taking Hunter Dickinson. I think he's already kind of proven the fact that he does buy into still having a true five man. It's not just going. Yeah, be, that's what I mean. And know. I think he. I think he might have. So maybe. I mean, I don't know, know if he, he would have seen him. There's but. a seven foot guy down the road in in uh, what the hell is it called Medina? Um, yeah. He might have given so. him an offer, maybe. I don't know. I think he would have looked at him. I think he would have looked at Teske. I don't know if he would have signed him. I think he would have recruited Johns and Livers. I say Johns, definitely. Livers, maybe. Teske, maybe. That's about it. Yeah, I don't think he would have, would have recruited Simpson. Maybe DeJulius. Um, maybe David DeJulius, just because he's in, dis- he was in, in Detroit. In state. And then, you know, I don't know. Xavier was around at a time when it would have depended on a lot of things, but his was also that way with Michigan, if you can remember back. Mm-hmm. It depended on other offers and, you know, his path there and everything else. So some of those are tough. I understand the question, totally understand the yeah. question. It's a really good question. But, yeah, I, I don't know if I would go much further than that. Colin Castleton, no. Like, those type of guys, probably not. Not to say that Colin Castleton couldn't be something right. for Juwan Howard or that he wouldn't, you know, maybe now he loves him, mm-hmm. right? But I'm not sure, especially right now, no. There's not a lot of those guys that would have been – Probably on that list. He would have recruited some guys on last year's team. Yeah. Yeah. Brostakis and Matthews and Agreed. probably even Jordan. Agreed. Okay. Uh, from Ryan, is it just me or has Harbaugh been unusually quiet this offseason? I guess that's pre pan- oh, yeah, yeah. pre-pandemic. Um, I don't I mean I th- I don't think any more quiet than uh he's been he was last year or the year before, to be honest. I mean he just disappeared both the last two years. I mean, the last year, I think he only talked a little bit because they fight. Uh, they they had so much coaching turnover 
and then this would be the time of year where he would have resurfaced because of spring ball. Mm. So we would have heard we would have heard from him, I'm sure, during spring football. But January, February of last season, he didn't say anything. January, February of the year before, I don't think he said anything then either. So this is just what he does mm. in January, February, he just disappears. And I think that it, you know when they have a new offensive coordinator or something like that, he's talked about that, like last year with Gaddis. But I don't know. I mean, like those are things that I don't also don't really pay as close attention to anymore is <laughs> how much he's talking and how much he's not talking because that's whatever. But uh, I think in some ways it's kind of par for the course. Right. All right. I don't think there's anything else. Did you see anything? All right, cool. I don't think so. Uh, no, we're good. That'll work. Sorry if we did miss you, but we will be back. And, uh, we can get you back next do this time. again. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll do next week, right? Come up with something. It might not be a Q&A, I think we can. We'll definitely have a episode next week. Yeah. So yep. we will figure it out. We will be with you then. Uh, for Nick, I am Brendan. You can't tip your bartenders and servers right now, but you can still support maybe a local restaurant here or there. Uh, there are plenty yep. of places still doing takeout, curbside. Um, you know, just pick one night a week. Uh, that's what we're doing in this house. We're trying to pick mm-hmm. at least one night where we're making sure that we are uh, finding one of the you know non-chain local places. Um, no yep. fast food, none of that bullshit. Um, a place that is actually run by, you know, real people yeah, with people. real bills to pay. <laughs> and we're going to make sure we get our dinners from them at least once a week. Um, so encourage you and your families to do the same as long as you are capable of it. Uh, so be safe out there. We are thinking of everyone. And we'll talk to you next week. I've seen hard times all my day.